the I Am A podcast with Loretta and Bianca. Stories, advice and discussions to resource, encourage and support independent music artists. Hi guys. So on this week's podcast, we sat down with Femi Tamoo and he is an incredible musician, jazz musician. He is a producer, he's an educator, um, he's MD'd for many projects, including um, working with Amy Winehouse at the beginning of her, of her career. And he has worked with awesome, awesome artists. Um, and we are just so privileged to sit down with him and just plumb the depths of his awesome experience. Um, we spoke about, you know, working with artists. We spoke about how a musician, you know, should approach a producer because he produced some amazing projects. We spoke about, you know, just the journey of doing this thing over time and perspective on how to have a long career he also gave us some rundowns of you know definitions you know sometimes we just need to remember like you know what is a what does mastering actually mean and how does it work and you know top line and all those different things that we can if you don't know you'll learn today or if you need a reminder this is for you Welcome to the I Am A Podcast. I'm Loretta Andrews, Bianca Rose with you as well. As you know, we like to bring you experts from the industry who really know their stuff. Well, our guest today is a pretty much a multi-talented professional on many, many fronts. He's a producer, a musician, an educator and a musical director. So we reckon that we and you can learn a thing or two from him. His name is Femi Tomoa. Welcome to the I Am A Podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. So all of those things, pretty incredible. Uh, we could be intimidated. We are a little bit. No, no, no need for that. No need for that whatsoever. Um, obviously, you didn't jump out of the womb doing all of those things. <laughs> Actually, I did. Yeah? yeah, yeah, a natural first child day, prodigy. I think yeah. First day I was out, I I learned to play the G major. No, no sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I but you, you have done so much and uh, we're going to get on to all of those things. But uh, tell us a bit of background about you. I mean, di- did you um, show an interest in music from a very early age? Um, actually, no. Um, <laughs> I was actually explaining to one of my students recently that I didn't before prior to picking up the guitar. I actually didn't really listen to music. I wasn't like one, no, music, not at all. No. I wasn't like one of those teenagers that like had like you know like fan crushes on like you know the kind of bands that young people listen to. I mean, that's weird. Yeah. Not really. You didn't listen to music. That's weird. No, I was into sport. Okay. <laughs> and I it. mean, the only the only the only music I knew was like the theme the theme music from like NBA games. You know? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know anything other than that. So music didn't stand out to you. Was no, it? not oh, at okay. all. Now for me, it was just not. It it was really. It wasn't something that was in the forefront of my life, oh, not wow. at all. Um, but For then once how I started, musical you are now, I just find that well, fascinating and hard to believe, but still. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm not saying it, you know, to like score points. It really, when I think about it, it's like, really? Yeah, you didn't have it. I didn't have any kind of interest. I mean, the very first cassette tape I ever kind of considered buying was MC Hammer. Um, 
here comes what was it called again see i can't remember what was, no, it? I can't remember um, what was his first but single the, the one with pray and you can't touch this exactly you can't touch it. that's yeah. the can't touch this that's the one yeah wow. um you know you used to get those magazines through that where i think it was like britannia or something royal britannia where you you bought you you off you 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 applied for the tape or you sent off some coupon they sent you the tape then you paid for it later it was something really oh, we're weird we're talking old school yeah, here. yeah. It's, before our, it's before our time all right all right all right, all right. Yes. <laughs> but yeah i did that and my mom didn't like it because i didn't get permission so i was forced to send it back oh wow. no wow. wow and that was before i started playing guitar so yeah there was no there was no real any any kind of musical background but once I started playing music, though, I just dove head in. Did, did something happen? Yeah, did you? Did you suddenly? Was there an experience that just switched you on to music? Or? Yeah, kind of got kind of forcibly dragged to join the church choir. Ah, and <laughs> and I saw a couple of other younger folks there, kind of getting involved with playing instruments, and it looked kind of cool, you know. I thought I'll give it a go, and and kind of got hooked. Yeah, it was it, it was something to do. At first, it was something to do. And then very quickly, very quick. I mean, I'm talking a matter of weeks became a passion, wow. you know, just kind of took over. Did you have a passion before or was it that you had found something all of a sudden that you could really connect with? Um, I was into sport before. Yeah, I was really into sport. Um, and I was passionate about that. But I think this was different. This felt mm. a bit more personal. Mm. You know, this was something I could do on my own for hours and hours, whereas sport, right. you if I was I mean I was really into basketball then so if I was like playing by myself for an hour I'd get bored it was more about playing with other people whereas with music you could just I could sit with the guitar for for hours and so you, you started know. with guitar yes exactly right. yeah um well well not straight away I started playing like percussion and stuff in the choir and then after about two two and a bit years of being there playing percussions someone said oh do you want to learn guitar and I was like yeah, I'll give it a go. And then that was that. And then, you know, and that became a, th that was when it became a real, like, full fledged kind of, you know. I, I've got to ask passion. this because obviously Bianca and I have both seen you perform. Um, yes. You produced Bianca's album. So we know how yep. ridiculously talented you are. Mm. Were you, what, did you have a knack for this? I mean, were, to get to the level you are now, was that pure hard work or come on, were you gifted? Like, did you, you know, <sighs> get it really you, easily? I never really know the answer to, I mean, because, you know, people talk about, I think, I, I believe that, you know, people have gifts. There's no doubt that mm. you can be naturally kind of, um, I don't know, dispensed towards yeah. something. You know, yeah. that's definitely true. But I, I still believe that, you know, you can't really do anything of worth without real true work yeah. Yeah. you know um and i think that's that goes for everybody no matter you know you know you think about an artist like stevie wonder who seems to breathe and music comes out <laughs> yeah. but i i believe you know even someone like him has had to work has had to keep working yeah. to stay on top of yeah. his game as it were yeah. so yeah i there was definitely you know i I, I think the first five or six years of playing guitar i probably spent something like five to eight hours a day wow. sat behind the instrument whenever wow. I was playing it um, and then after that you know you know you still you know you still have to spend a few hours a day you know staying on top of it <laughs> do you know what I mean you know kind of keeping it um, keeping it sharp as it were so have you seen people along the way who maybe have a natural talent and didn't necessarily put the hard work in definitely and kind yeah, of fallen absolutely. by the way absolutely yeah, yeah loads yeah seen loads yeah and not just in music as well in other things yeah. in sport for instance you know there right. were people who um i mean I, I was i was really i would say probably with sport i was very kind of at kind of 
semi-pro in 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 athletics you know um with my school i represented my school a few times and i saw a lot of other like young people who were extremely like much better than me you know especially in things like football you know there was this one kid at school who everybody decided Mm -hmm. everyone had decided this guy was going to play for a huge team didn't happen just because the work didn't go into it that's really interesting do you think that sometimes for those that are naturally gifted Mm. in an area Mm. that perhaps they they rely on their talents so much whereas you get somebody who's not as naturally talented but could even overtake that person because of their dedication hard work and i see it now also in 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 my my own teaching like the school where i teach um bim in fulham um, I, I, every single year I have students who come in at the beginning. Well, I, I, they, they reach me when they're in the second year of their degree and they come in and there are some who you just, you kind of feel you've, you've obviously got a lot of natural talent. You're going to do well, but how good you're going to be is going to mm-hmm. be based on how much work you do. And then you get these others who are, you know, quote unquote, kind of in that middle rung you know, where lots of people exist. But then one or two of them will just dive in and do so much work. And by the end of their third year, they just like towering above everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I, I do really firmly believe it's about, it's about, you know, how far you're willing to go multiplied by how much time you're willing to put in. That's, you that's know, great. That's so really, it. that's a huge encouragement for independent artists because it means that if you have got some talent and you're prepared to work really hard, you yes. can be a success. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, along the way, just being constantly like, you know, constantly reevaluating yourself mm. and, and allowing yourself to be criticised by it external forces yeah. as it were because you know I mean you've got to be wise with criticism as well don't you because not everyone who criticises you has you know your best interest at heart yes. let's be honest yeah. but as you get as I think as you get more experience it becomes easier and easier to spot um, that that kind of you know kind of false criticism I like to call it mm. um, and what's really going to be of value to you in your, on your journey but I think people yeah should, should take heart and, and, and be encouraged that doesn't almost doesn't matter how much talent you start out with what's important is how hard you're willing to work along the way that's really crucial so So at what Mm. point did you realize that you know your talent was enough for you to do this professionally when did you start to make plans to do this as your career um well i i think i i started so i started playing the guitar about 17 and i turned well i did i went to i went to college did a levels the first time round, I did the two years. First time round, I'm like, I'm not going to take the exams because I don't want to do economics and I don't want to do law. I want to play music. But I didn't know about any institutions where I could study music at that you know at that time. So when I turned twenty, something like that, yeah, um, somebody, uh, someone I was going to church with was studying A level music, and there, and she told her A level teacher about me. Said, "Oh, there's this kid at my church. He really wants to do music, but he doesn't know what to do about studying it." And they gave her a prospectus to give to me for Leeds College of Music. And I remember going up there for the audition, and it was when I arrived there and saw all these other people, some younger than me. Um, taking music, you know, to that level, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And so it was at that point that I kind of became um, quite kind of, you know, I had made up my mind that I wanted to do it as a profession because I realised I could study it. And if I could study it, it meant I could work somehow in music, you know. And uh, so I guess probably about, uh, about by 21, I decided I was going to do music. So it's interesting because a lot of people, they... Um you know they start music 
and they have these, you know, the dreams of the bright lights. But actually, your perspective going into music was, it seems like it was a little bit different. Like you Completely. saw this route to a viable career. Mm. I don't know, through hard work and just being in the business. Like, what what do you feel? How do you feel about that? Those two different perspectives. Um. I mean, I you know, coming from a an African background where yeah. you're 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 kind of constantly uh told that, you know, education will save you, education will save you and all this kind of stuff. Which, you know, is it, it's true and in some cases can be a bit extreme, but for me, um that was what I was coming from. And so it was about like securing a path that um I could follow, which meant that I would have some sort of traceable um uh, 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 line you know I've come from this and then I went to this and then I did that I never I never really got caught up in that kind of bright lights big city thing maybe because when I started playing music I didn't approach it from the perspective of being of becoming um, maybe say a pop kind of icon as it were um, a lot of my early influences were people who were actually already by that point in their 40s and 50s playing music and I never, they never ever exuded that that right. feeling of, yeah. oh, look at me, I'm I'm 17 and I, everybody yeah. knows me <laughs> all over the world, you know. So I didn't have that um, um, example to begin with. So it wasn't something that I was aspiring towards. I was aspiring towards, you know, a lifetime in yeah. music, you know. And and the, some of those people now are now in their 70s, almost 80, and they're still playing music. Yeah. And so that was that was uh, the example that I that I had. And so I never really had that you know oh i'm going to be the next i don't know um yeah. you know whatever it was jay-z justin timberlake, justin timberlake. yeah let's, <laughs> let's let's put it that way you know not so, to say that you know that's not a good thing yeah. when you found yourself on stage with the likes of george benson amy Uh-oh. winehouse these <laughs> amazing amazing people esca sweater kinch all of these people did you kind of have to pinch yourself and go how did i get here or were it was it more like I work. I can see my route here because I worked to get here. Because that, that's a huge achievement to make and to to musical direct those people as well. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, for some of them, for I mean, for some, I mean, some of those people are my peers. So in a way, yeah. it was kind of like we were building something together. But the, I think the morning that I met George Benson and realized I was going to be playing with this guy. That was the morning when I was kind of like, um, really? Like, yeah, like, how did how did we get here? Um, and sitting, you know, with him backstage in the dressing room and just kind of talking um, very, very, re- in a very relaxed fashion and candidly about, you know, his own journey and, 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 and trying to relate my journey to his. I realized that actually anyone that I admire, who I believe has, has you know, done great things in music has gotten there via very traceable steps you know hard work and you know and as I said before growing up in that kind of background where it was like no okay you've you've passed your driving test we're not going to get you a Mercedes we're going to get you some old banger so you can really really get good at driving and it's kind of like that that mentality so there was always one thing that led to the other so being able to trace it back meant that I could look at myself in the mirror later that night and go you know what I think you deserve that, mm. you know, rather than, oh, my gosh, I don't deserve to be here. You know, what's all this, you know, kind of <laughs> what's all this noise? So it made it easier to to, to swallow that um, th- those achievements, as it were, because I have met musicians and artists who don't quite know how they've arrived, where they've arrived. And and for whatever reason, that plays on their mind. Mm. And it all it does, I think it just kind of 
it boosts insecurity right in an artist and and that's i think those are one of the worst things i don't want to like jump the gun here but it's one of the worst things an artist can experience is that kind of undeserving feeling of i i don't deserve to be here i don't i don't think i've done enough to be this person that these people look at in this way you know so you've worked with such a variety of artists and you've Mm -hmm. seen and worked with those who are are known to us all who are famous who are signed to major labels and you've Mm. worked with independent artists and invested in independent artists as well what are the perhaps the main differences that you've seen between those artists journeys but also their experiences once they get to what is success for them as looking at that from an outsider but also a kind of an insider on team what are your observations about those two scenarios um i mean the, the easy answer is that i felt i've felt along the way that the more control the artist has had about their musical kind of uh, landscape that they want to occupy, the happier they have been and the easier they have been to work with as artists. Um, I found that people who have been completely caught up in the machine are often, um, well, they're hard to reach musically because they're constantly surrounded by the machine, you know. Um, And whereas artists who, and, and, you know, there are some artists who have been signed that I've worked with who have had um quite a lot of control i mean amy winehouse is probably a prime example of that where um to the point where the labels were more afraid of her (laughs) in some ways um it was easy to work with her because you know she had the opportunity to say actually i i want this and that and not this you know Mm. and it's easier to work with artists who have a clear vision uh independent artists have always been quite kind of secure um and i found and always you know, and in fact, not only were they secure, they were not just secure enough in what they were doing. They were secure enough to say, actually, I want you to, you know, be as big a part of the vision as I am, you know. And I think artists who have completely been swallowed up by the machine don't get to do that. They don't get to say that. And you don't get to interact with them in a way that allows the creativity to mm. really move and flow you know and music is all about creativity at the end of the day no matter how much you want to you know put a price tag on it and label it and sell it it's all about being creative you know on on many different levels mm-hmm. um i mean I, I won't mention any names but there have been artists that i've worked with that it's been it was even hard to just have a conversation with them really just about you know how was your day you know what what's going on with you because those are the interactions that I guess make for a better musical interaction when you're on stage mm. and if you don't know someone on that level it's hard to really interact with them when you're on stage you know it's just kind of like we're just doing a job yeah you know yeah. Are these people have these people well those people you're talking about been signed from an early from the beginning uh, some or yeah parts of their career some or? some some yeah. and, and others not so much but some of these people had relinquished yeah. themselves Control. because they to yeah they to them it was like hooray i'm signed that's it i don't have to do anything ever again so that again. was the goal almost basically right. and so it's almost like i'm here now i've arrived to be honest with you most of those aren't really around anymore you know and i've stayed away as well in the past few years i've done less and less work with artists like that through choice right because for me i just found it less and less fulfilling mm-hmm. you know as a, as an artist myself um, because for me, it's, it's got to be about collaborating. Mm. Um, music is a, is a team sport, you know, um, and it, I want to feel that the person I'm uh, uh, involved with is as invested and as uh, um, 
excited about the music as I am mm-hmm. you know and if if you're not excited about the music then it's hard for me to get excited about the music and then it's like I get bored and I'm like okay see you later <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. so so yeah. in that in that vein um you know you're used to like managing and putting together bands mm. and working with artists like MDing them and stuff sure. from an artist perspective when they would want to put together a band around them and maybe they have to be in that position to mm. musical direct yeah yeah what advice would you give an artist interacting with someone like you, um, yeah, and just managing that whole process. What right. Would you say? I would say first thing is always be yourself. Yeah. So that at least whoever you're working with, they know who they're working with. You know, and if yourself is someone who is demanding and really like you want, because you know sometimes people apologize for wanting to really spend time hone, honing whatever it is they have in their hands and you almost feel apologetic to you know musicians oh I'm really sorry that I'm taking your time I'm really sorry that I'm asking you to do it for the 10th time but it's not quite right no just be yourself you know because the people you're working with if they're into that they'll stay and if they're not they'll go and you don't want them to be there if they don't want to be there mm. that's the first thing so be yourself I would also say um, try to um, be as clear as you you know be honest about what you know and don't know you know yeah because what if you can't play an instrument and then you've got to lead that how well, does, this is it. I how mean, do they do that well you've got to then make sure that you're collaborating with people who are uh, sensitive to that you know some some instrumentalists are sensitive to that some are not um, you know Try to be, I would say, try to be as um, open um, about your vision, even if you have to talk about it in a really hippie way, you know, but talk about it all the time, Um, you know. You know, if you have to describe it like birds and flowers and seeds and that's that's a, that's also as good. There are a lot of musicians out there who can help you translate that into, right. you know, actual sound right. and, and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. I mean, I've I've worked with artists who, you know, halfway through a rehearsal, they've gone, no, I think that needs to be more blue. You know, that, that needs to yeah. be more. And it's literally talking about a color. Yeah, I see, I and see I'm thinking music. to myself, what does that mean? You know, OK, what does blue mean to me? Blue is kind of warm, but not it's not red which is really hot so what are you saying do you want it to be like really loud or really do you know what I mean and as we talk about it we arrive and then and then it'll be like okay like this and then we do demos you know and I, I find those artists are always appreciative when a musician is is out um, is, is able to take the time so if you're on the, the artist on the other end of the spectrum you should always just feel free to talk about your music and what you're looking for um Working with Amy it was interesting because, you know, she played guitar, but, you know, her, her kind of uh, command of the instrument was limited. So there were often times in rehearsal where I would literally have the band do five or six versions of the same part of the song wow. until she said, that's the one, you know, because sometimes she wasn't able to articulate exactly what it was, even though, you know, she had quite a lot of kind of... Um, knowledge from from her kind of quite she was well listened you know Mm. she listened that's the other thing i would say listen to a lot of music and try to use the music you've heard as a way of giving example to the instrumentalist you're working with for instance so if you're not sure what you want try to think if there's an example of that in music you've heard before and just say well yeah if you uh would turn your spotify to uh you know (laughs) you might find that 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 makes it clear yeah, also um, so stuff like that mm-hmm. trying to find examples um spend time researching you know um if you're not sure um try to work with people who are themselves um honest about what they're looking for from you 
you know, as an artist. What could they be looking for from you? Um, you know, they, they might be looking to work with an artist who is uh, quite secure, who is not like changing their musical kind of direction every week, <laughs> you yeah. know, someone who has a, a good idea about where they're going. Um, also someone who's willing to um, invest in themselves, you know, rather than right. expecting you to do it everything you know they you know um they they would also be looking for someone who is um on time <laughs> you know who's who's not tardy um and also as an artist yourself try to find people who have um who can who can who don't take themselves too seriously yeah you know who can laugh yeah and because you know half the time it's about being able to have, have a bit of a personality exactly you yeah. know like a strong rapport yeah. um it's one thing if the musician's really 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 talented but if they're a moody person it's not gonna last no. <laughs> do you know what i mean but then what so. about pay well if you're as on you know being unsigned and being independent like the money thing yeah is like always a thing yes and even more so now i think in this right. day and age so how how does an artist you know make sure that they're valuing the people that they're working with and they're valuing their time but actually they may not have budget what what is what, what are the other things that can compensate for that or how well this is it i mean there, every little helps in my opinion um if all you can do is buy lunch buy lunch yeah. If you can buy coffee, buy coffee. If you can pay people something, you know, even if it's like, look, but but the important thing is be honest about that. Yeah. Again, if people were going to stay for 50 quid, they were going to stay for 50 quid. If they're going to be like, look, I don't get out of bed for less than 500 pounds, then you know that it's not in your power yet. You may get to that point. But and, you know, don't don't take it personal, you know, because everybody has bills to pay and whatever. But I think as long as you're honest about it from the from the get go. Um, oftentimes it won't be a problem and some somewhere along the line as things change again continue to be open you know okay guys uh, we are now commanding you know a thousand quid a gig you know I'm going to up your money from 10 quid to yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean so everybody gets a pay rise exactly <laughs> you know so it's good to be to be open about it from day one that's the yeah. important thing I think you know musicians instrumentalists when I say musicians I put instrumentalists and vocalists under that banner yeah. um, are often you know we get involved with playing music because of how it makes us feel and we're having fun of course you get paid along the way it's a bonus so you will find that the people are are usually willing to do more than you think they are as long as they know that you're being honest with them about right. it mm. yeah. and valuing their skills I and guess. valuing yeah. their set exactly reminder that we have a growing library of really useful videos on our YouTube page including interviews with artists and music industry insiders sharing their experience and expertise. Search IMA on YouTube or visit our website www.ima.co.uk. Linked to that, because obviously you're a producer as well and mm. you, you write with people. When somebody comes to you for a songwriting session, yes. what would, in your ideal scenario, mm. um, an artist have already thought about, already have discussed with you perhaps prior to even meeting and actually come to that session with? What, oh, right. As in, what should, they, what should we have already discussed beforehand? Yeah. Hmm. I mean... 
Or even if you haven't discussed anything, like when you're actually going about to get down to write, like, right. what should the understanding be? I mean, they need, the they need to know as clear to themselves as possible what their vision for themselves is as an artist. You know, like for me, there's nothing more like time consuming than setting out to write and then realizing, you know, three or four songs in that this is not working for this person or this person doesn't believe in the kind of music we've come up with, you know? Um, because I think ultimately, no matter what kind of music you do, the layman, when they hear you, they either believe what you're selling them or they don't. And so that's important. Um, I think also um, setting out for yourself um, clear, realistic goals. Like um, if you're not, if you know you're not a strong lyricist, you know, it's important to be upfront about that rather than kind of thinking, oh, well, as long as this person writes really good music, no matter what lyrics I write, it's going to be good. <laughs> no, that's not going to. So knowing your strengths, basically, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and tabling those. Um, I think knowing what kind of budget, you know, you have to play with, whether that's zero or two million, whatever it is, um, being upfront with that. Um, and then um, I think understanding... Um, realistically what to expect from your songwriting buddy or your producer um, and and that can be um, anything from how much time they can realistically give you per week or whatever um, and also to exactly what type of producer they are because some producers don't arrange music for instance some producers they um, they might not necessarily want to get involved with um, hiring the musicians who are going to play on the project um and some songwriters um i've worked with for instance they they don't you know some songwriters don't get involved in writing lyrics they just do top lining which is just basically melody you know right. um some, some some songwriters will um i've worked with songwriters who like my well i i i get involved with writing say chords and top lining sometimes lyrics at a push um, but oftentimes, um, I find it's, it's good to get someone who is a, a lyricist yeah. involved, who's yeah. someone who, you know, is reputed for doing that. Like Bianca, for instance. <laughs> um, it's really, really important because oftentimes that's, that's the focus of the, the, the average layman. So as long as the person coming in is clear on all those things, it usually makes work a lot easier. And what about splits? That whole, that, that question I, you know, I've always been told and, that let's talk about that before we definitely create yes. I should have yeah I should have mentioned that yeah that's one thing I mean that's that should be in the first like 20 minutes of the conversation we should that's, explain what splits are well yes well splits are basically who gets what percentage of the royalties from a song basically so um, when a song is written um, if it's written by one person then all money that's made from that song um, goes to that person well, all the royalties go to that one person um, splits are when it involves more than one person, basically. And the split can go however those people agree, you know. Yeah. Like I did some some writing sessions recently with an artist that could possibly be signed to Universal. And um, um, she basically just decided from the get-go, anything we do, no matter what, we just split it 50-50. Mm -hmm. And it's just easier. And when there were three of us, it's like, let's just go 33 point whatever it yeah. was, you know, 3999% yeah. whatever. Um, and But sometimes you might find that people go, well, I don't do lyrics and I don't do top line. I just do chords. So 
if you're going to do lyrics and top line, maybe you should take 60 and I'll take 40. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be clear from the get-go. It needs to be clear. Because if it's not clear, say, you know, everyone in the room thinks they're getting equal split. But actually, when you actually got down to creating it one person wrote most of that exactly. all the lyrics yeah that can be tricky if you haven't agreed that before absolutely but if and you have it just kind of doesn't matter what happens in the room yes because everyone understands absolutely and depending on who you're dealing with often verbal agreements aren't quite enough no he yeah. said she said doesn't cut it you know <laughs> yeah, when right. you get to court it's like you know everyone's fighting over like 60 million quid it's like uh. yeah. so i think it's important to either like send emails mm-hmm. um that's that's your first you know send send it somewhere that it can be traced and re- refer to later on down right. the line if the need arises or get involved with signing contracts i mean to me it's like i prefer to just be like all right send me an email about that yeah let's have it you know yeah in a do- in a, in a document that we Some can kind later of paper trail. exactly yeah. we can later find no, i work to people that just they bring out like, just sign that yeah read yeah. that you're not getting anything <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah so there you go agree the splits yeah on day one in terms of um when you're considering working with an artist whether Mm. that's an artist that's approached you or one that you approach what do you look for in work with an artist and perhaps on the back of that what in particular would put you off working on on a project Mm. good question um i i mean the first thing is for me i think the energy that someone brings to music Mm. um i think there are a lot of people who uh, for whatever reason, see music as a, a bit of a pastime. And my experience with working with people like that has always been uh, uh, not so positive. Because it's like, you know, there was, I'm, I'll give an example. There was one guy who came along and said, I want to make an album. And he was really into it or seemingly into it. And I said, yeah, come on around. Let's, let's demo your song ideas. You know, so then what happens is I would usually demo the song ideas. Then I'll say, leave it with me for a few weeks so that I can live with it and get some ideas. And I never heard from him again. And I had already spent, what, three or four hours just kind of with him around the place, demoing stuff. Never till this day. Um, And and I and I basically I kind of had that impression that this was someone who for whom music wasn't really something that serious Mm. anyway. So probably just got involved with something else, took his attention away from it. And that was that. So that's the first thing, your energy and how dedicated I think you are, committed I think you are to your own music. The second thing I guess would be that elusive word talent, if I think they have some sort of talent. And that's just something that is, you know, everybody sees that differently. To me, it's some things that I can measure. Like if you're a singer, uh, how often do you not sing in in tune? <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? Because you know, how things, much hard work am I going to put into making uh, basically, this person you know, like basic things like do you sing in tune most of the time? Um, you know, um, how what how 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 related is the the way you sing, how your voice sounds compared to the music you want to make? Mm-hmm, you know, right. like what's the relationship there? Uh, if you're an instrumentalist, uh, you know, and, and even if you're a vocalist, can you play or sing in time? All the basic things, you know, things that I would look for in my students, actually. Yeah. Because oftentimes those are the things that tell me how much work I'm going to have to put in <laughs> yes. or not, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I guess um, the quality of the work you already have you know mm. so if you if you've if you've recorded before or you've gigged a lot or whatever i want to hear some of that stuff you know and 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 just be the judge for myself on you know how good i think it is and 
and you know don't take it personal yeah. <laughs> how, how it. much does um finance come into come into play for me that only starts to cre- creep that creeps up based on how like how interested i am in the actual music itself right. i always have this kind of uh, uh three these three things so if i'm gonna take something on uh it's based on these two things the relationship i have prior with the person um if it's gonna enhance me if i'm gonna learn mm. and grow from it and and this is not in any particular order and then the kind of the financial implications yeah and i always find that two out of those three things have to be in place mm-hmm. for me to say yes anyway um and if not it would either mean that there's an extremely good relationship with this person already, like someone I've known for a long yeah. time or whatever, or you've got a lot of money and I've and I've got a lot of time to spend, <laughs> you know, um, you know, or it's just like, man, this is such a huge challenge. On the other side of this, I'm going to be a much better producer or musician for the sake of this thing. That's those things are very rare to find on their own anyway. So it's usually two out of three. Um, so for me, money is not the be all and end all. If I feel like your music is something that's really gonna, that, you know, everyone needs to hear this. Mm. So let's make it happen and we'll manage it, you know, on whatever budget there is, you know, it's not, I'm not, you know, I never really got into music just purely for money. Of course, everybody has bills to pay, but you know, it's not about that. We found, yeah, we found from interviewing different people in music business from, you know, videographers to session musicians to yourself that actually you know the quality of the project the growth um just the sheer enjoyment are really factors in mm. getting involved with a project it's mm. not just about money whether money is there or not everyone wants to grow creatively everyone wants to have a good experience um so artists shouldn't really be afraid to approach people mm. if they've got great content and they want to you know collaborate to approach people and just see what can happen yeah yeah mm. I think while we're talking on producing and we're all on that uh, part of your many talents, <laughs> um, we'd love it if you could just demystify a few production terms for us. So like kind of give us a, an idiot's guide for perhaps those who are just starting out. Or sometimes those have been going for a long way. Like, yeah. I always wondered what that meant. Right. Um, so um, something that was uh, batted around a lot is pre-production. Can you just yes. give us a, a, a definition of that? Right. Usually uh, pre-production is the work that gets done um, when a producer is putting together demo versions that will then be replaced by actual live musicians. So that's often what pre-production is. So for instance, someone comes with a song, we kind of, in Logic or Pro Tools, which are like, you know, other DAWs are available, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, you would make demos either using like um, MIDI instruments, like fake MIDI instruments, um, make demos of what the songs may sound like by the time you get to the end of the finished production and oftentimes pre-production is where that stuff is then going to be replaced by an actual live musician or even if it's not you know with a live instrument even if it's still going to be with uh, electronic instruments it's going to be played by someone dedicated or specialized in that area so a lot of times you find that producers are often in the old school sense of the world anyway um, um, multi-instrumentalists to the point where they can play a bit on a lot of instruments so they can kind of demo ideas and then bring in musicians to then um, to play a good idea of what a pre-production um, I uh, uh, 
might might sound like is there was a a version of uh michael jackson album off the wall and thriller both albums were released about maybe about 10 years ago now where they included michael jackson's pre-production demos mm. of some of like songs like um can't stop till you get enough you hear his home demo wow. before quincy got his hands on it and then wow. you can kind of hear the growth between that and that's the kind of difference between pre-production i am so looking that up yeah Yeah, check that out they're really awesome they're really awesome yeah okay uh, next then what's mixing mixing is basically where you've recorded all the instruments and and everything and then you've got to balance all the sounds so that you know like you know if you if you're in a room we're trying to create mixing is basically trying to create recreate what it would feel like to listen to that band or that music in a room live and you know naturally some things would be louder some things would be quieter some things you would hear on different sides of the room because you know when you your left ear might be closer to uh Mm. i don't know the timpani on the far side of the hall and so in mixing we try to recreate that spectrum that sound spectrum as it were so that it feels as though you're in the room with the musicians as they're playing uh, next step on them from that uh, mastering oh yeah that's a good one um, the, it's often referred to in the business as the dark art um, <laughs> mastering is basically where it's been mixed and then when they master it the, the whole point of mastering is so that whenever it's played on any system so whether it's been played on a radio or on your iPhone or even in your car that it sounds as good or as close to what the engineer the the producer envisaged in the first place and what they do with mastering is they really try to like tame you know frequencies that they think might differ from speaker to speaker because you know you have different qualities of speakers and all that kind of stuff so for instance if there's a lot of bass in the recording sometimes you might hear that bass um if you're in a club but if you're in a car that bass makes your car speakers sound as if they're going to pop. <laughs> so what a mastering engineer will do is try to figure out what those frequencies are and eliminate, not eliminate them completely, but tame them so that there's a middle ground. So you can still feel the bass in the club, but in the car, it's not going to sound as if your, you know, your lovely Kenwood speakers <laughs> are going to come out of the door, basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, one more than for now. I mean, I'm sure there's many, many more, but um, <laughs> what are arrangements? Arrangements are basically, um, well, arrangements are any, anything that you do, which, well, actually you have different layers of arrangements because you have the arrangement of the song, which is the order in which things happen, basically. So the arrangement of the song can be like, we have an introduction, um, then we have a, a verse, then a chorus, then another verse, then another chorus, then a bridge, then some choruses. That's like your quintessential pop arrangement. But then within that kind of big arrangement, you have smaller arrangements like what's the guitar playing in relation to the bass? What's the bass playing in relation to the drums? What's the brass section doing in relation to the keyboards? These all the way the instruments interact with each other. This is also known as arranging. Um, so it's it's not to be kind of confused. Oftentimes in the old days, you you, you know, remember reading CDs um, and you you get someone someone gets credited for arranging, and you think, oh, but 
you didn't write, you didn't tell the string players what to play. You know, you didn't tell the bass player what to play. What they actually meant was this person decided in which order the verse, chorus, bridge, and all those things were going to happen. That was one mm. type of arrangement. And then you would have someone else get credited for the string arrangement, for instance, <laughs> on the same song. So they were like, this person decided what the cello was going to play and what the viola was going to play and all that kind of stuff. So basically anyone who is, or you know, deciding what's going to happen and how it's going to happen on a piece of music can be referred to as an arranger, basically. Thank you very much. Welcome. Yes. Mastermind specialist subject there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I've got a question. Um, independent artists or artists in general, I, I think, but especially independent artists, kind of, you know, back between should I make an EP, should I make an album? Mm. Um, what are your thoughts Um do you, are you in favour of the EP? I think we've spoken about this before. But yes. um, do you think there's a purpose for both? What do you? Think I think there's a place opinion? for both. Definitely. I think. I think the the only thing I have a problem with is where people are recording one or the other. It depends on your reasons for for the wrong reasons. I think. And I and okay. What are the wrong reasons? Mm. I think doing an EP because you you only have three songs for <laughs> oh. me is an issue. Yes. Um, doing an album just because you have 15 songs is an issue I think it's important to uh, to to be hard on yourself mm-hmm. in terms you know you might write 15 songs and you might know deep down within yourself that five of these songs are really excellent and 10 are not that great but because you know you just want to do an album and then you end up with a weak album mm-hmm. you know um, and I think it's important to 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 have the reason right um doing an ep um is really eps are meant to be almost like a harbinger for an album aren't they you know they're meant to be that thing that artists do um often in the old days you'd often find that songs that were on an ep then later get included on an album when the album comes out so ep was kind of like a taste maker Mm -hmm. you know it's like uh, an artist comes along it's like okay well look we've got these three amazing songs we're gonna do an album so let's just put this out to get kind of people's appetite going and so they'll do an ep but then you get artists who do an ep and then we hear nothing from them for like three years you know it's like uh that's not why an ep originally you know and eps have become quite fashionable now as well um and i don't i don't necessarily see anything wrong with them especially nowadays where people where you can do purely digital releases um it's absolutely it's absolutely fine um but i think if you're going to do an ep and you're going to put three songs on it or five songs on it make sure that you know it's not because you only have that many songs and they're, they're, you know, it's something that you're doing with the intention of then, you know, giving people something more. If you're not going to do an album ever and you want to do three or four or five EPs a year, that's absolutely fine too. I don't see a problem with that. Um, But if you're, if you're making an album, it's important. I I think anyway, because if if I'm going to spend 40 minutes listening to, you know, a, a piece of work, it needs to take me on a journey. That's mm-hmm. just my personal opinion. So if you're making an album, there needs to be some thread tying everything together. Mm. It can't just be, you know, 15 disparate, you know, kind of bits of bits of music. Um, so I, I think the, the reasons for doing an EP on an album um, can be personal, but there are some, 
very like uh, basic things to take into consideration. And, and I think the most basic of those is don't make an EP because you've only got three songs. Yeah. <laughs> Both yeah. things, like if you're going to do an EP, you're going to do yeah. an album, it's, it's all about the intentionality. It's all exactly. about your intention and you doing it for purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. That's actually yeah. one of the best answers I've heard from that EV oh. album Great. debate. I'll yeah. take that. Because I've heard lots of different ones. <laughs> really strong, strong reasons there. So thanks for cool. that. Um, and another question I wanted to ask you is about um, working with artists as a producer. For a, a, do you think that artists um, should learn a lot more um, about their music from a production perspective or do you think they should lead leave that to the producers? Do you think they should get involved there mm. or do you think they should you know, stick to being an artist and let the producers do that? I always think artists should get involved because I think producers um, are, are basically facilitators the best producers are excellent facilitators. I mean, I mean, again, I mentioned him before, but Quincy Jones, one of the finest producers, in my opinion, of the 20th and 21st century, um, was an incredible facilitator. And I mean, you always heard his touch in anything he did, but the artists also came through, yes. you know, I mean, of course, his work with Michael Jackson is notable. But then you think about stuff that, you know, stuff he did with like artists like George Benson, um, or even um, he worked with that there was that young um, R&B singer that he worked with in the uh, early 90s his name is escaping me right now mm. who um, was you know again you could hear the Quincy kind of magic but this artist was very much in the forefront their sound was very much in the in the forefront I'm still trying to think of the name yeah. as I'm speaking um, on that Handel's Messiah Soul for Celebration he sang that I know my Redeemer liveth yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. Mm, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's, um, just, it's not going to come to me. <laughs> I might have to do that. Yeah. So yeah, but, but go for that. But yeah, so, you know, here's one example. And I think great producers are really excellent facilitators. And I think they facilitate the artist. Um, and it depends on how deep the artist wants to go, really. Um, but I think artists should always get involved. And I think um, it learning about production also teaches you a lot of things about uh, what's what's real what's realistic you know sometimes an artist writes a song yeah. and they have all these ideas but it's like some of them are just not realistic like whether that's financially realistic or even musically realistic you know I've worked with an artist before where we've gotten to the point where we spent four weeks rehearsing every day with a band with the view of going to a studio to record the album and at the end of it the entire thing was binned the entire thing was being wow, because they just were not realistic about exactly what it was they wanted you know and it was it, you know there was one session where we were we were halfway through recording we'd, we'd gotten this uh, South African vocal quartet in recording mm -hmm. them on this track something that the artist really really wanted to happen and halfway through the, the session we looked around and she was nowhere to be found and we called she was home she went home because she was so like distraught that her ideas weren't working and the only reason why we arrived at that point was because she just always wanted to be like no i think this is going to work whereas as a producer i'm like yeah. in my experience oh, this wow. isn't really gonna happen the way you think it is and in the end the entire project got binned wow. which was really sad really um yeah. you know um but it happens from time to time so working with your producer and you know being open-minded 
um, about the fact that they are there just to make your vision. So you have to have a vision. Mm. They're there to make your vision a reality. You know, um, that's the most important thing. It was Tevin Campbell, by the way. Ah, there you go. Tevin Campbell. Yes. That's the one. <laughs> well think, on um, Google. <laughs> exactly. It always comes through for us. I think we're... Um, during to the a close of this awesome discussion mm. and this awesome chat with you there's been so many gems um i just wanted you to because i i've spoken to you before about just being an independent artist and that journey and just having a a perspective that is one of longevity it's not mm. just this one album you're going to make but actually you know looking at your career in a long-term way and I, and I wanted maybe you to talk about that a little bit and also just if you've got any advice and encouragement for us independents because mm. it's um, you know it can be a tough journey yes and, definitely <laughs> and it's very sort of up and down and mm -hmm. highs and lows and how to just to weather mm. all those moments I mean first I guess um, about the 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 I guess about being a, being an independent artist anyway and not looking at that kind of you know um, immediate kind of success that then doesn't last very long um i think it's important to if you if you're if you're into music because music you find that music is for your for yourself anyway some sort of therapy or healing or whatever which i find a lot of artists are that way inclined it's something that you're 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 planning to do for the rest of your life you know you're not like one of these people jumping on the latest tabloid and say i'm going to be retired by the time i'm 35 because what does that mean you know mm. to be retired i i can't even imagine what it means to retire as a musician because you're constantly you know getting involved in music whether you even like it or not you know yeah. it's there it's in your head it's swelling around you know so i think looking at it as a long game um it's important to 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 remember that as a conduit for music, it's something that's always going to be happening for you. And so you should just give yourself um, the time and the space to always be growing. You know, allow yourself to 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 be almost a beginner, you know, every time, right. you know, whilst, of course, holding on to everything you learn, all the lessons you learn along the way, you know, being childlike about it and just kind of being open um, to new experiences. I think those are the things that, that drive artists to you know, still want to be doing it well into their twilight years, you know. Um, and then, you know, with the whole kind of roller coaster nature of the journey of being an artist, I think the important thing is to surround yourself with people who can really, truly support you emotionally. Mm. Because being an artist is mostly an emotional journey, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, waiting for that song to come along, um, trying to be open to life so that you can feel inspired, you know, and then having this kind of these bursts where you have loads of gigs and then suddenly you have no gigs, you know, and, and trying to weather the, the implications of that. And it's like, oh, maybe I'm just not that good anymore. Or people are tired of what I've got to say. Um, all of those ups and downs. I think the most important thing is to have people who have your back emotionally. Um, if you're a spiritual person, you know, hold on to that and whatever that may mean to you. I think it's important. Um, and, and, and as I said earlier, not taking yourself too seriously. I think that's the, that's got to be the kind of the cardinal rule. You know, it's like being able to stand back from your own musical kind of adventures and, and kind of go, you know what? I did that and that was that and that's cool. And it's not, I don't have to, you know, I don't, 
you know, I don't have to write that song that means that thing ever again. If that song never comes out again, it's fine. I will write other songs. I will do other things. I will play other gigs, you know. I will meet new people, you yeah. know. And just looking at it as a journey um, that's going to last as long as you're around rather than trying to be like the next Instagram sensation or yeah. Facebook, you know, um, um, I don't know, event of the yeah. year. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, people's attention span nowadays is so short anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, you release a song and in six weeks, it's like, oh, was that you? Oh, hi. Oh, right. I see. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, you're, and you're there feeling like, oh, I thought that was it. I thought, you know i'd arrived and, and i put just everything into that exactly and, you know, absolutely. and it's just like a you know yesterday's <laughs> news just, to you put everything into the next one and the next absolutely. one and the next one and and you know and just be open that's it be open mm. that's so encouraging thank you so much for me for being our guest thanks for having me and of course you're an artist in your own right and you've got an amazing album just uh, tell people the title of that how they can find out more about you and get hold of that as well um the album my last album well is called the music is the feeling and that's available uh everywhere 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 online but most importantly Bandcamp. yeah and why Bandcamp? just let (laughs) because Bandcamp are so great for independent artists because you know they literally Almost everything comes back to you, and they 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 are there literally to support um, independent artists. It's 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 beautiful. It's a great relationship. Brilliant. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you. Don't forget, you can follow us um, all over our social media. We are IMA, and if you've got a question, something we haven't covered, do get in touch. Let us know, and we will get onto it. For more great content from IMA, find us on social media at We Are IMA. Check out our Spotify playlist for new music from independent artists. Search We Love Independent Music. And don't forget to sign up to our mailing list where you'll receive a free 10-day guide especially designed to inspire and equip independent music artists with some really useful, practical and inspirational resources. Sign up at www.ima.co.uk.